Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Strevens. Now joining me on the show this morning, all the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, was Clayton Cuteri. Uh, Clayton has recently quit his job and started a podcast, and we didn't really talk about either of those things, but um, if you enjoyed this conversation and you, you like listening to what Clayton has to say, uh, check out his podcast, Traveling to Consciousness. It's available wherever you're getting this podcast, I'm sure. Um Clayton reached out to me to, to have this discussion and I was more than happy to have him on the show and he uh, neglected to have me on his show, which is totally okay. Um, <laughs> this podcast is niching down. It, it's, it's looking for that audience who's interested in those who are building, those who are becoming themselves uh, through their work. And I think in a lot of ways, this episode, because we didn't talk about Clayton's work so much, this episode is sort of like a foundational or, or a meta discussion uh, going forward for this podcast. So um, we talked a lot about perception, a lot about the way we are programmed culturally and how we as individuals uh, can break out of that programming, um, how we choose to see the world. You know, um, Clayton talked a bit about his struggles with with overeating and, and having the wrong mindset towards food. Through meditation and inner work, he was able to heal himself. Um, I personally have had a similar um experience with with another vice that I've talked about from time to time on this show. I, I think that to to become your best, to to build your business, to build your brand, to build your family, uh, it requires this sort of inner work, a deep knowledge of the self and, and doing the hard work on the self, not placing responsibility on the external. And uh, truly, uh, we can be the God of our own universe. And uh, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I think Clayton and I uh, both would agree and both talked about that thoroughly on this show. Um, yeah, not really an entrepreneur in any sense, uh, not a typical discussion with someone building a business, but um, uh, honestly, one of my favorite episodes and just a, a great discussion uh, all around. Uh, and again, if you enjoy this one, please, please uh, check out Clayton's podcast, Traveling to Consciousness. Uh, give him a follow on Instagram. He posts a lot of great content there as well. Uh, this was a hell of a discussion uh, with a kindred spirit and someone who actually taught me a lot and someone who is in many senses uh, further along the journey of coming to be himself than I am. So uh, an honor and a pleasure and a privilege to talk to this man, Mr. Clayton Cuteri. Okay, Clayton Q. Terry, thank you for coming on the podcast, man, and thank you for reaching out to me and uh, starting this collaboration. Yeah, man, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, always good to connect with no more podcasters and mm -hmm. get the get the juices flowing. Absolutely, and I think for me, this is my first kind of podcast with a podcaster, so there's a lot of that kind of nerdy stuff we could touch on that impresses no one, but might be useful for <laughs> us. You know, yeah, for sure. Wherever you want to take the conversation, I'm I'm along for the ride. Beautiful. Well, why don't we just get my listeners up to speed on on who you are? So maybe give me the elevator pitch on your podcast and what your how it's been going. Sure. My name's uh well, geez, my name's Clay Terry, <laughs> but uh, I host uh, Traveling to Consciousness, and you know, it kind of started out as just like this mixed bag of bringing people on, but 
as the podcast has progressed now, I'm, I'm really noticing that I love diving into the whole consciousness aspect of it. Mm. You know, we talk about things from spirituality to psychedelics uh, to reality to how people really their life has shaped from their childhood and how they're kind of going through and recorrecting it as they go throughout their life. Interesting. And it, it, to me, in my understanding, like consciousness is kind of like where science kind of drops off and says, we don't know everything there is to know. We don't really know anything about consciousness in some ways we can, have you, did you take that on as kind of this existential challenge? Like this is the biggest thing I could, I could sink my teeth into or what was it that, <laughs> that drew you that way? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting that you bring up science, right? Because I guess a huge piece of my puzzle that I started trying to put together was, is this idea that we believe that, I mean, it's a mainstream idea or maybe we're starting to get away from it, but that science is replacing religion, right? It's Mm. like, oh, well, we have the scientific method, so there's no room for religion. And you know, maybe I kind of believe that a little bit, but something never sat right with me in that regards. And I started viewing like sacred texts or like the Bible mm. through a lens of, you know, a metaphorical lens where it's like mm. this more psychological lens or this lens of it's not literal that God, you know, created earth in seven days. And, you know, it's not mm-hmm. literally a walled in garden you know, and trying to look at that through a more metaphysical and more, a more psychological approach. Absolutely. And so to kind of wrap up your thing, I, I started viewing science as trying to find a physical or a 3D uh, explanation mm. for, you know, our consciousness or this 3D reality or why things occur, you know? That's great, man. I think that's, that to me seems right. It's like there's a million ways we can understand parts of consciousness, whether it's, you know, my physical being, my perception, sensory, all those sorts of things. I mean, it's been a while since I thought about this truly, but there is to me an element of, of, of mysticism, of religion, of metaphysics is the right word where maybe we have to admit that there is something miraculous about human consciousness, you know, that we can't apprehend. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very, bizarre thing when you try to look at it right i mean you have these physical things in front of you you can say that this is black or this is white Mm -hmm. and it really leaves no room for that gray area where Mm -hmm. i see a lot of the truth kind of lies 100 i mean that and but because you bring up a good point about science becoming the new religion and i mean you take a scroll through twitter and you see people treating science as if it is uh the orthodox metaphysical rational truth when it's like it's truly it's a system of representation in my mind it's it's how we make sense of a world or a universe that is without sense right right and yeah it's kind of just applying that us trying to find that sense in the physical world and not accounting for i mean whether or not you believe in like spirituality Mm. it's that it's that higher purpose let's say or Mm. that greater purpose i even had uh, a guy on my podcast and um, it hasn't released yet, but we talk about there, he used to be like an atheist hmm. and he kind of found his way to like plant medicine. And he kind of even talks about how, you know, there's like, and I don't, I don't know how many people this aligns with, but like the, the, there's the belief of not believing, right? right. Like, yes. Like, you know, I don't believe in anything except for physical matter. And it's like, well, you do believe in something then, right? <laughs> right. Like, 
So it was all, that was a fun conversation or interesting. Beautiful. Well, I'll, I'll check that out when it comes out. Cause that's, that's a great debate to have is how atheism itself is a religion. You know, you can, there's, yeah. I don't know if you, you get, get much rush up in Pittsburgh. They're a Canadian rock band. <laughs> okay. No, they, I haven't heard. Of. Okay. They have a line that says, uh, you know, if you, even if you choose not to decide, you've still made a choice. Right. Yeah. And that's a beautiful way to put it. Hey, you should check them out. They're like, it's like prog rock from the seventies. It's uh, okay. pretty wild stuff. They're one of Canada's best exports. If you like okay. that kind of music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of their hockey and maple syrup. I haven't, okay. I haven't gotten to the music yet. <laughs> oh, right on. Are you a Penguins fan? Like, do you follow the NHL at all or? Man. So growing up, uh, and this can tie into our whole spiritual conversation sure. is growing up. I was like a diehard, you know, Penguins, um, Steelers, which is our football team. Mm. Um, uh, Pirates, which is our baseball team, oh, yeah. you know, die hard on all all three of those, and then kind of like it just as life has progressed, as I've been asking more questions and working on new things, mm-hmm. I've really kind of started to fall away from it. Um, you know, when they're on and I can watch them, I'll see it. Uh, but you know, going on this nomadic lifestyle, hmm. once you kind of leave your hometown, you're not really surrounded by it as much, and so you don't. There's not like that environment which is so crucial to our growth as a, as a person, right? There's not that environment that's like, Oh, did you watch the Steelers today? Or, Oh, did you watch the penguins? Mm-hmm. And so it kind of has started to, I've, I've started to maybe fade away from mm. um, emotional involvement with uh, the sports world. Okay. So that's interesting, right? Because you might say that people use sports fandom as a, as a, well, it's a community building thing. It's surely there's some positives to it, but also, you know, the dudes who walk around with a jersey with another guy's name on the back, you know, yeah. there's there's a sort of, there's something theatrical. There's something about sort of projecting your value and your masculinity onto the, this sort of, you know, theatrical battle that's going on. So I, I could see that if, if if you were pursuing higher learning, a podcast about consciousness, sports fandom might not be uh, quite doing it for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. And uh, what it reminds me of is... Um, kind of a principles of attachment and mm. the kind of way you can look at it is if you let's say let's go from the deepest level first right sure. what's more what i would call three-dimensional is mm-hmm. uh you look at places in europe specifically with their 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 european football or soccer mm-hmm. as we would say um where you can look up articles of referees that get killed over certain calls right and what that highlights is, is that there's such a high level of attachment to the football team and to the, wow, I just call it the football team without hesitating. <laughs> the soccer team True. <laughs> shows you I'm growing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, there's such a high level of attachment to that soccer team that what's occurring is, is that they've identified so much with this team that if they, you, your emotional state lives and dies by that team. Mm-hmm. Um, that your entire day and life and week can get predicated on if this team wins or loses right. and so much so that you're willing to kill for it. And you could even see that with um, religion to extent, mm-hmm. uh, the church is the battle between ideology. And so what happens is, is you can then extract out that, uh, that attachment, right? So, hmm. so that's the deepest level of it, but then you can get a little bit higher and say, um, you know, well, you know, I'm going to wear their Jersey and I'm going to show up and I hope they win, but you know, if they don't, then that's all right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to influence my day. And then you can kind of extract that attachment out even to another level where then it's just, 
I'm just here for the game. Mm. I just want to see people performing at their best level. And I just want to, you know, be here to be a fan of the sport. Mm. And that's kind of where you can kind of move yourself out to this higher level of consciousness that I would call it, where you're just appreciating what happens as it is without having this emotional investment in the outcome. Mm. That's a beautiful way to put it because I've been struggling with that myself. Like out here in Edmonton, the Oilers are, I mean, they're, basically the religion for a lot of people. I mean, they were, they were the greatest team in the league for almost 10 years back in the eighties. And that, right. that sort of pride uh, lingers, even though they've been not so great the last 30 years. But um, I think what you're saying is so important because you have to appreciate the art and to a certain amount, the, the, the beauty that goes on on the ice, like the game of hockey, just like the game of, I think soccer is beautiful, but it, it's interesting. There's those layers outside of it that just are kind of ugly in some ways, you know? Yeah. It becomes, and, and this kind of goes off to how you started it, right? Like you're the viewpoint that you put onto it is how it kind of gets warped in your mind, right? Like mm-hmm. hockey's such a beautiful game unless my team loses, <laughs> right. so it's, you know? And it's like, well, you could just appreciate it for being the beautiful game that it is without having that attachment or going to that negative energy. And hey, I get it. I mean, I I understand how powerful that energy is mm-hmm. and it can draw you in and it makes you feel like you're connected to something yes. that's higher than yourself. That and I that I think is it and maybe you do you have a sense of well, that's what it is, right? Is like people need to they're they're looking for something to fill because we're on some level we're all aware that there is a greater there's something greater to us in some way, whatever you want to call it. And if I attach myself to my sports team, well, I'm, I'm getting a little piece of that, right? But my sense is that there needs to be more inward looking and more inward work and self-development to really find uh, what you might call God. Yeah. I mean, that's it, man. I, I think you nailed it right there, right? It's, it's we've, and we do this with, I think, too many things in our life. And just generally speaking, you know, whether it's politics or the church and religion mm-hmm. or it's sports teams, you know, it's us giving up our internal power to an external item because we're saying, okay, we're going to identify with this. This holds all the truth and answers and it holds my happiness and my sorrow. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just giving that and absolving that responsibility onto these external things. When in reality, like you're saying, um, I'm a big fan of meditating. I preach it. I preach that heavily. Hmm. You can find all that stuff within you. You are, you have all that with inside you. And like you're saying, uh, well, I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that for sure. now. But no, you we can go deeper with that as we go. Absolutely, you're right. It's it's and that to me, I was listening to a, a recent episode of yours with uh, the the lady Tiara. Was that her name? Tiara. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys got talking about how you can essentially use your consciousness to shape your reality, and that to me has been a big breakthrough for me, at least in the last two years. Is like if you don't like what you see around you, a lot of that is your problem. I'm going to use the F word. I will use the F word. It's your, <laughs> it's your fucking problem, truly, if you don't like the world around you because you choose how to perceive it for the most part. For the most part. I I mean, and, and maybe entirely. The argument, I guess, is, yes. is you know, it's it's really all 100% up to you. I um, And there's kind of two ways we can take this conversation. There's the, the conversation of the subconscious versus the conscious mind. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other conversation of good versus bad. Mm. So maybe we can dive into it sounds like it was set up a little bit more for like good versus bad, where it's like your perception of anything that occurs could be good or bad. You know, if, um, 
you know, your sports team loses, right? You, mm-hmm. you think that's a bad thing. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe you're able to dive in or figure out within yourself, like, why am I in such a negative space? Because they lost like and that can open up this profound knowledge within you where we attach that as being a bad thing but you know down the road it's like oh no that was actually a good thing that springboarded my understanding of myself and who i am and what Mm. i identify with that's crazy well you have to look at you have to look at it as an opportunity i guess to grow but now do you ever man there's so many things i want to say one thing i'll say is (laughs) a good friend of mine turned me on to the term cathexia K starts with a C. I can't even spell it, but it's (laughs) C-A-T-H-E-X-I-A. And it's attaching emotional energy or emotional response to external externalities. Basically, that's the... And once I heard that word, I I felt like a weight came off me because why even um, attach emotional response to three quarters, 80% of the shit that happens? Somebody cuts you off in traffic? Big deal. Yeah. Big deal. Your sports deal. team loses. Big deal. Your podcast gets three views after you worked your ass off on it. Well, big deal. Right? Right. Do you, does that in some ways resonate with you at all or sh- or not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, uh, it a hundred percent, I think encapsulates exactly what we were just talking about with, you know, you, you know, where you place your energy, you know, where you place your attention is where you place your energy, where you place your energy is kind of the way your life is going to kind of unfold. Mm right? If you're, if you're placing these negative, if you're placing your weight into something external, you essentially are absolving all your power, right? You're giving up all control to something else, right? If, and this is where, and, you know, to tie in our, you know, let's say our uh, earlier part of this conversation with the, the sacred text, sure. you know, I, I think there's a, a division or a, a, a separation that we should acknowledge where, there's the separation of the sacred text or mm-hmm. the Bible mm-hmm. and the church, because the church is kind of even just says to, you know, you, you put your faith into the pastor or the preacher oh, right. who then is the, you know, communication aspect for God. And, and maybe not all churches are this way, but mm-hmm. you know, let's say the Catholic church for one has taken this route very strongly where it's, you know, you place your belief in the priest or the preacher and then they place it in God. And what even that does is it takes away from you to thinking that God is outside of you, you know, and this is where it's like, oh, well, heaven's above me and hell's below me and, and, you know, the fire. And it's like, it's like, no, 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 no. Heaven and hell is within your mind. Like you are creating heaven or hell at every moment. You have that power to see things as a place of heaven or as a place of hell Mm -hmm. and how you orientate yourself in the world is what it'll essentially manifest in a sense, Mm -hmm. uh, for lack of a better buzzword in your reality. Right. Oh man, I think you nailed that. I think you nailed it. I think now, do you have a sense of why, why? Maybe it's a human thing. Maybe that's just how we're how we're engineered from the beginning to have these externalities. Like we're, you know, the church is a great example. Science is the same thing. Sports, any cultural institution, where it, it, it to me it's a dehumanizing or it's forcing people to look out and project out instead of because if you had a a seven billion person world of people who were doing some of the things we're talking about, retaining that power, it'd be pretty hard to control those people, wouldn't it? Well, that's a perfect way to uh, line this up, I think, is to talk about the control of it. Um, So, you know, if we look at it from a biological standpoint, we are programmed to seek out fear and danger, right? It's, Hmm. It's something that has helped us evolve. You know, if you can spot something, if you spot a lion and know that's dangerous, you know you need to run away. Hmm. 
well, what has happened now is that in our reality is that, you know, the powers that be, um, whether it's the church or, you know, let's say politics, I think are the two big ones, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's fear predication, right? It's, it's, well, if you don't, you know, um, if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. You know, you can see it in the news. If you turn on the news for five, 10 minutes, you're going to see the, the big, the big emotion shifters, which is shame, guilt, fear, and anger. Mm-hmm. You, you wrap those up into four, those four things. And what it does is it, it is it warps the person into this like negative energy space. Mm -hmm. And when someone's in a negative energy is you get to control them. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can make you afraid, if I can make you feel like you're shame or guilty or any of these negative emotions, Mm -hmm. I now have control over top of you because I have control of your emotions. Mm -hmm. I know what makes you angry. I know what makes you afraid. And now um, I can control you. And I was there another part to that question? I felt like oh, I lost where it I'm was not going. sure. I'm not sure it was a question. It was like, but you, you, you've picked it up nicely. It's like you get people into that mindset of being afraid and, and as you say, shamed, guilted, whatever they, and you're dehumanizing them to me. You're, you're taking their power yeah. away. And then what is it like a good advertiser would do? You present yourself as the solution to that, right? Um, as I'm the solution, uh, I, I think the the institution that seeks to control the people uh, says, "But we're the answer." Yeah, yeah, and that's a great point, right? It's it's you should be afraid of this, but if you vote for me, then I'm going to be the savior to this. Right. Well, you should be afraid of having sex before marriage, but if you repent, then God will save you. <laughs> you know, it's it's that duality that you see in it. Um, and I'm thinking of a ton of political examples, and I don't want to go that way because it brings out those negative emotions, right? But yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's but designed can, to do. I think, as we've discovered yeah. just now, yeah. And so, yeah, and so, I mean, a huge thing that I've done over the last, let's say, four years of my life is completely turned off all news. Good I mean, you. you know, I, I've got I've got Reddit, and so I've got a couple subreddits that you know I'm subscribed to, but it's mm-hmm. like stuff in this realm, stuff sure. that's positive, you know. Nice. Um, yeah, and so it's huge to. Make sure you're you're paying attention to what you're you know taking into yourself yep. and noticing if it's raising your vibration, which maybe mm. that's a buzzword, but well, making you feel better, making you feel more energized, or if it's taking you to that place of fear or anger. You know what's funny about you say buzzword, you said it twice now, and I think we do have to be cautious of what we're saying, but also the people who call things buzzwords are people that are afraid of those. Like you earnestly use the word manifest and you earnestly use the word vibration because you know that those are real. Not, yeah. not, not a lot of people, you know, the, the, uh, the George Carlin joke, think how stupid the average person is now realize half the people are stupider than that. There's, <laughs> there's legions, there's billions of people who have no idea what vibration is. So they'd be afraid of it. Well, yeah, that's a good point. I guess whenever I say buzzword, I, mm. I tend to think of it as a, as a word that's overused sure. and, and it, and it has just this, it has so many meanings that it can be hard to specifically identify mm-hmm. um, what we're talking about. And so I guess that's why I try to stay away from those words sure. that are almost overused so mm. that we can use language to be more precise in what nice. we're trying to describe. Right on. Well, thank you for <laughs> suffering through that rant and then making sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. I forget exactly where we were, but I guess one thing I wanted to say was this, this idea of, of guilting and shaming the masses and then presenting yourself, it struck me that that's the Christian myth, right? Jesus died for your sins. God came here and died for your sins. The entire Western world is built on that 
as the founding myth for the most part. Are we looking at, are we looking at, is it hard in some ways to imagine a world where we can escape this, this sort of framework that we've built ourselves into? Um, no, I don't, I, so I guess what I believe is that we all hold the power to view everything, however we want to view it. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if, you know, if somebody wants to view it as difficult, then yes, it'll be difficult. Right. But the way I view it is more of it just takes one person at a time. Uh, I think there's a big Sean quote or someone maybe said it before him, but I always <laughs> think of him. Uh, nice. It's a, it's just that one person can change the world. Mm. And and there's so much power in that that I believe it's true. Right. Like like and what that kind of signifies is what we're talking about. Right. Is like you get to choose how you individually see the world. Mm. So, you know, if you want to see all the good, all the good things that are happening, mm. then, you know, it's great. And there's a book I was even reading. It's like, if you want to create world peace, it is possible. All you have to do mm. is turn off the news. That's all you have to do. <laughs> it's that simple. You know, if you're not taking in yeah. any negative energy, if you're not taking in any, any negative self-talk, then world peace is here. It's, mm -hmm. it's alive. Like I haven't, in the last four years, I haven't seen anyone, you know, got shot. I haven't seen anyone stabbed. I haven't seen anyone. And now that can kind of invoke, maybe there's some sort of, hiding your eyes from what's going on right but i truly believe and what i've seen in my life is as i've grown as i've kind of been on this path mm -hmm. it's encouraged other people to examine their life in that same fashion mm -hmm. and thus you know it has this ripple effect that just starts bleeding out from you and starts just tra like transforming the people around you for the better for the better man that's incredible yeah so that's funny. I remember saying that to some people came over uh, over Christmas, and I said, "There is no pandemic. If right now we're all we, we're all healthy, we're all here. We've all made the decision we're going to be together. We're not watching the news. We're not on social media. Where is the problem? There is no problem, right? I, I know that sounds ridiculous. No, that's a great. It's a great way to put it. Uh, and something that kind of happened with me whenever the whole pandemic thing rolled out mm -hmm. is. You know, from day one, I was, well, I don't want to say perfect, but like for the most part, I was like, looked at my demographic and I was like, okay, like I'm healthy. I go to jujitsu. I work out. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love it. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it. I'm healthy. I'm good. Like I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks later, it's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to lock down for two weeks. And I told all my friends, I was like, this is not lasting for two weeks. I was like, this is how and maybe we're going into some negative energy here, but this is how tyrannical governments, this is the playbook. This is the playbook yes. we've seen through every tyrannical government in history. And I laid out exactly what would happen. And it came to a point, And I remember this very, very specifically. It was like, you know, they are going to, there was a lot that was, maybe it wasn't, well, it wasn't a lot because none of these were laws. So that's a huge thing to point out. But mm. there was a quote unquote mandate that was passed where it was like, well, if you have so many people over, we're going to cite you. If you're not at your house, we're going to cite you. And, you know, that was when it really struck me as like, holy shit, like this is getting serious. And after meditating on it, I realized I was like, okay, I am drawing the line here mm. in my life. It was, if they're going to cite me for this, I'm not going to pay it. Right. And my friend's like, oh, just pay it. Like, it's just a small fine, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I am this is my line. Like, this is where I would draw the line on this. And if they force me to pay this, then I won't. 
And he's like, okay. And he's like, okay, like that's your thing. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, what happens if you go to jail for it? It's like, well, that's my line. Like I, I can't sacrifice who I am to the freedoms that I believe in for this external thing that I, I see to be, I get people are getting sick and whatnot, but I see it as more of a fear Mm -hmm. motivator and a, and a fear spreader to take more control Mm -hmm. in order to control the masses. And I'm not going to put up with that, you know? Well, good for you. Good for you. I think that, I mean, clearly not a lot of people thought that way, uh, you know, no. uh, you know, I guess I want to be careful what I say about this, but I do want to talk about it. I, it's, it's tough, man. It really is. Whatever tough. you're comfortable with. I, <laughs> I, I honestly went down that path a little bit more than mm-hmm. I was openly anticipating. Okay. But well, I, I felt like it, yeah. It, you're, you're absolutely right. I've made no bones about saying this is what tyrannical, this is what tyrannical authoritarianism coming to the West, this is what it would look like. It might not be now, but this is the, this is, these are the first steps. Right. No question. And I mean, when you look at the stats, at least here in Canada, three quarters of the deaths were people in government institutions like hospitals and prisons. Obviously it's heavily striated by people of a very advanced age or with existing conditions. This was not, this didn't have to go this way, but also it was always going to go this way. Let me put it that way. Yeah. And, and maybe we can kind of like reel it back a little bit, sure. right? Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, <laughs> I feel like it's getting a little, oh, God a damn little it, negative. To... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to make controversy, right? But well, yeah, a little it, bit. It, but if we roll it back a little bit from a consciousness standpoint, um, it's one of those things where, and to tie it back into our earlier things, it's mm-hmm. like when you when you see something or you're told to look for something, you find it, right? Like absolutely. It, if you are told that you know this goes positive or negative, if you're told that you're going to make you know a million dollars one year, you you search out ways. Or it's a mm. the red car situation. It's like if you're um, always looking for a red car, you're going to find it. And what happens is, is we kind of bring this back to the news, and it's something that's taking you to a lower vibration, Mm -hmm. fear, Mm -hmm. guilt. You should be ashamed if you're not getting vaccinated because then you're killing other people. You should feel guilty for that. And so what happens is, is I think that first of all, that lowers your immune system. If you're in a place of shame, guilt, fear, Mm -hmm. you feel unsafe, that's going to lower your immune system. That's proven. And then the next thing is, is that you're constantly being told about this. I know, um, and this is a fascinating thing to look up. I don't know the exact numbers, but what happened was, is whenever, uh, I believe it was FDR got polio. Okay. Is that accurate? I don't know. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that's, that's your country. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that is I true. I think that's true though. He was in the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me just do a quick uh, search just to make sure, sure I'm yeah. not spreading misinformation here. <laughs> that's all right. Um, but, but the core point I want to make, okay, yeah, it was, yeah, it was FDR got polio. So whenever he got that, the media perplexed it up, started um, mm. talking about, you know, polio this, polio that, what it looks like, what it feels like. Right. And what happened was, is there was a spike in the U.S. population of polio. Like it came out of nowhere. Like Interesting. Yeah. And so what it coincides with is like, you know, if you're absorbing all this information that tells you what polio looks like, tells right. you you're going to, you could get polio, <laughs> you know, all these things. Right. It seeps into your subconscious mind and it, and it creates your external reality around you. Hmm. I believe that, man, big time. I thank you for bringing us back to this place because that's that's what's going on, isn't it? It's 
what we look what, what you said it very well what we look for is what we'll find so do you have a sense of why there seems to be mass 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 use of of these institutions like social media to find that like as you said humans are programmed to look for danger and fear but why why does the average person look there first instead of for the enlightenment for the for the higher vibration well i think number one is that it's it's easier i think it's it's Mm. easier to be told what to think and Mm. i think it's easier if you're going along with the status quo so if you go and see what everyone else is talking about what everyone else believes it's easier you're not rocking the boat you're kind Mm. of just sitting in the middle of the boat and you're just seeing where the waves are going to take it i think that there's also a proclivity that if you're if you have an instagram a a uh, facebook a twitter right. those have very highly sophisticated algorithms <laughs> that are tracking everything you do from what you like to what you comment on to who you follow and they their main objective the way they make money is by keeping you on their platform longer mm. how do you keep someone on your platform longer well you give them information that verifies their belief Mm-hmm. No matter what side of the aisle it is, if you keep telling me information that I believe in, mm-hmm. it's an echo chamber of sorts. It's okay, I believe this, I'm gonna keep going with it. Like, yeah, this is what I believe, you know. So, <laughs> you know, if you can keep making those extreme, you know, conversations, and I think this was a huge thing that got highlighted in the US, uh, the 2016 US presidential election. Certainly. You know, love him or hate him, Donald Trump played to this perfectly. You know, he made statements that it was perfect maestro honestly yeah it really was it created people absolutely loved him and absolutely hated him because of it he he would make comments that you could take both ways and i mean whether it was accidental or not he he highlighted this in his speeches he highlighted this in the reason he got elected and Mm -hmm. it's really in my opinion it highlights you know the way that these whole systems are set up to Mm -hmm. to kind of feed off of you and to give you the validating things that you believe and thus you perpetuate them. Mm. It gets, it gets into your subconscious, you know, you're, you're in this negative place of energy and fear. So it gets imprinted in your subconscious and then you imprint that on your external world. Yeah, that's exactly it. And as you're saying that the word that came to mind was something like enslavement, you know, and it's like, you just have to give the, give a person enough and they'll actually just enslave themselves. It seems like. Yeah. There's, um, there's a really, and it's a, it's very interesting to watch is Kanye West uh, kind of goes off on TMZ. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure you can search like TMZ ran of Kanye West. And he, mm-hmm. he talks about that. I mean, he talks about how enslavement is, you know, this mental, I mean, it's, of course it's a physical thing too, right. by all stretch of the imagination, but it becomes this, you know, this mental cage that you get put in as well, mm-hmm. where, your dreams get crushed. You're told you have to do this. You have to work 40 hours a week. You have to work for something you don't love for 40 years so that you can have those last 20 years um, of enjoyment, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm so, you know, it really becomes a mental prison, a mental enslavement, if you will. um, If you're giving all these external powers, all of your internal power to external and other people. Right. And, and people jumped on the fact that he said African-American slavery for 400 years was a choice. And, and, Okay, that's a ridic- that's a crazy thing to say, but what you're what you're saying was kind of the underpinnings of what he meant, you know, and and maybe okay. he did the Trump thing in a way where it's like I'm going to say that because that's going to get, but exactly what you said, slavery in some ways is a choice, right? In some ways, 
Yeah, I Here's mean, where it ends you know, for me. yeah, <laughs> and maybe we should be careful about how deep we go into this because I know, uh, you know, obviously we're both <laughs> we're both white and yes. how all that plays out in today's society. But I mean, it's you know, it's it's very fascinating the way that you can like kind of break it apart and look at it and the different ways that you can reconstruct that mm-hmm. um, into the reality. I mean, I don't know. It, it's a difficult thing for me to kind of talk about, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's fascinating how it's still something that is still getting perpetuated right. in the media today. I, I mean, again, you know, I have been out of it, but I still see that there's these things every now and then about, you know, you know, we need reparations for this or we need stuff mm-hmm. for that. You know, it's, and maybe there's some truth to that, but at the same time, it's just, it, it seems like that mental prison is still there. Like I still can't get ahead because this thing occurred, you know, a hundred years ago or something like that. I, and mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe we should try to get a little off. Oh, well, we can but, for sure. Yeah. I think, yeah, but, I appreciate you saying that, but I think slavery, let's use slavery. Maybe let's stop talking about slavery, <laughs> <laughs> but we're not talking about specific instances of you know, genocidal slavery on a social level. I'm talking, we're talking here where you feel as in the modern day, as somebody who's not truly, uh, not truly free enough, people often will enslave themselves with bad habits, whatever it may be. Here's how we could transition it, right? You, (laughs) somebody (laughs) should, (laughs) (laughs) you can enslave yourself, uh, and what and what the way you enslave yourself usually is is it's it's predicated on we'll let you be safe if you give up your freedom. Right. We'll you know and let's use the pandemic as an example, right? If you give up your freedom to have you know ten people over, we promise you the safety of not getting COVID. Like that's kind of that underlying slavery yes. mentality in a sense. You know, nobody's let's say you know the the brutality of how deep. It gets, you know, and and still in the world today, but mm-hmm. there's still a a parallel, let's say. It's still in that same framework mm-hmm. of, you know, slavery, let's say. I think that's right. I, I I mean and I think we know damn well that when the government rolls back any of our freedoms, they don't exactly return them to us in any real no. way. So no. it it's a it, podcasting might save the world. That's the only <laughs> that's the option I've got. <laughs> Let's hope it, it, one person at a time is kind yep. of the way I view it is just, just to orientate yourself in the best way possible, whatever mm-hmm. makes you feel the most energized. Yes. Like you can view this in every single moment, you know, mm-hmm. ask yourself, it's like, should I, should I do this or that? Like, you know, are you exercising, are you getting sunlight? And this is a huge thing that they have been talking about. It's like, you know, make these minor steps, you know, yep. get 30 minutes and move your body for 30 minutes, mm-hmm. get some sunlight for 30 minutes, you know, eat healthy, get some vegetables in you. And it's like, <laughs> those will just have such compounding effects. If you do that every day that your life will turn around. And if you turn around your life, you turn around the world. That's it, man. I, I, that's something I was thinking about earlier in the podcasting process. And, and you remind me of it is that we cannot change the world in, in, in some sense. I can't, I can't go out into the world and change it. Like, okay, I'm going to work at the soup kitchen. I'm going to go give coats to people who are cold. But if I can change my mental landscape and then talk to you and we together improve one another, wouldn't that be the web effect that we would? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's it's really beautiful. You know, once you start doing some inner work and, you know, again, these are things that can kind of be discussed in multiple different ways. Sure. But if you start viewing, like, why do you have these negative self-talk? Why are you in this position? Why does this thing keep happening? Mm -hmm. 
if you can examine that within your life and put yourself together in a way that you're quote unquote, living your best life, mm. <laughs> you're then able to be this beacon to show people that there's a better way. It's like, and this is something I actually just in my last recording, it'll be like episode 20 or 21. But what happens is, is that, you know, if, and kind of what you're talking about, it's like, you know, you don't, you don't want to go out and tell people what to do. Right. Like if you're out there preaching, um, if you're out there telling people like, this is the way you have to live, this is what you have to do. Number one, nobody's going to listen to you. Right. Like who the hell are you to you know tell me what to do? <laughs> it, it comes across as egotistical and mm-hmm. all these negative things. Instead, you want to be that example of what you should do in order to orientate your life in the best path possible. And it was absolutely beautiful because whenever I started doing some inner work with plant medicine, which is for those who don't know stuff with like psilocybin okay. or, um, you know, mushrooms, you use these things in a therapeutic setting mm-hmm. and you find a way to kind of go in and do some inner work of correcting past ideas and, mm-hmm. and past things to kind of put yourself on the, on a more optimal life path than what society has fed you or what past experiences have told you are the correct way, Mm. though they're probably not. Makes sense? Absolutely makes sense. And I could see how mushrooms would be useful in doing that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, a lot lot to unpack there. I guess I'd say, I saw a tweet the other day. Yeah, this is where I want to go for sure. I saw a tweet where it was a, a woman who was quite quite overweight, and she said, "Well, we need to dismantle Western civilization uh, in order to dismantle fat phobia." It's like, why don't you? Uh, there is a class of people who think that dismantling society would be easier than doing this inner work that you're talking about. But truly, it might be. Maybe that inner work is the hardest thing uh, possible. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, I ha- it. It's the hardest, but I'd say it's the hardest, but most rewarding Mm. um, thing. My favorite quote is by Carl Jung, and he says, no tree can reach its root, can reach its leaves into heaven without its roots reaching down to hell. Mm. And it's, you got to go in, you got to examine your own life of, you know, why is your life so quote unquote bad by your definition, Mm -hmm. by your definition, it's bad. Right. So why is that? You know, and you got to find it within yourself because the power is within you. If you're turning to external things and uh, right, if you're turning to the the Western capitalistic society as being the issue of all of our problems, then it's like, (laughs) you're missing, you're missing the conversation, right? It's like, how did we get here? Like, why is this happening? Um, the answer is within you. And that's something that, you know, in that tweet, it highlights, you know, that let's say error and, Mm -hmm. and I, and you know, the, the whole fat thing's interesting. I, I've kind of personally always, let's say had, and especially through high school as a kid, I had issues maintaining my weight and Mm -hmm. I got better at it. I I became more disciplined with my diet. I Mm -hmm. went into my past as to figure out why that was right. And it's so funny because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, um, you know, has also been, has also struggled with it. And, okay. and in talking with him, it got passed down. That whole thing got passed down to me mm. because on our Italian side of the family, <laughs> food would fill every emotion we would have. If you were sad, you ate. If you were happy, you ate. If you were at a wedding, you ate. If you were at a funeral, you ate. It was mm. this perpetual eating. Wow. And so what happens is, is that, 
you, you come to realize is if there's an issue you have, it's usually maybe like a disease, for instance, it's usually an over, you're either getting too much or too little of something. Right. It's kind of like the, uh, the Dow where it's like the, the pendulum always will swing back to the middle. If you're, if you're over, if that pendulum's all the way on this side of the aisle, mm-hmm. something's misaligned in your life. Something is kind of pulling you in the wrong direction. Hmm. And so that you got to swing that pendulum back down to the center almost. That's incredible. I, I knew that about Italian people, but I, w- I didn't know <laughs> maybe just how deep it went. So that's, that's really interesting. Do, um, yeah. is, is what you're talking about then something like uh, trauma or intergenerational trauma? Is that uh, yeah. the right? That's a perfect, perfect thing for it. And so, so personally, just not to sway too far one way, I did some of the same internal work through writing and I guess strangely enough, it was getting off marijuana that allowed me to see myself more clearly. Sure. Um, and it was a different side. I mean, it wasn't food. It was more to do with, let's say sexuality or how I integrated with the opposite sex. And once you are able to lift that weight off yourself, then you start wondering in some ways, then you start seeing, okay, I could do that same process now for how I relate to food, how I relate to whatever else. Now, is, I guess to, to put a fine point on it and make it a question, is the podcast for you in some ways helping on that part of the journey? Um, I see it as now I've done the work mm-hmm. I've figured this out mm-hmm. and it, well, so let's start back from where it started after I kind of did this work, I started realizing that I was listening to people. Mm-hmm. I was having these genuine, well-connected conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself like, wow, I should start recording this. You know, this nice. is stuff that I should record and get it out there just for other people to listen to. Mm-hmm. And so then that kind of transformed into a way. And I was like, well, you know, this stuff that we're talking about here, I want to be talking about this with other people and get their opinion of it. And then also get that out to other people because I see it as just helping everybody who listens to it. Mm -hmm. Cause I want to, my whole thing is, you know, I, I don't know if it being an individualist is the right idea. Try to stay away from, you know, labels because they put you in a little box, Absolutely. but I truly believe that the individual is, is quote unquote the savior, right? The individual is what we should be placing above everything else. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be placing ourselves in these boxes of, you know, even if you want to say American or Canadian or, you know, Chinese or, you know, South American, I mean, even just that creates some of a divide between us, right? It should just be human. It should just be, you know, and don't get me wrong. I'm sure those are important for certain conversations and whatnot and, you know, jokes and all that stuff. But it, at some level, it's 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 worth acknowledging that there is a little bit of a divide that gets placed between us. There is big time, and we are. Have you heard that phrase where it's like we are the universe realizing itself? Like we're all, uh, yeah, we're all made out of the same elements as a, as a star or a planet or you know the ground. I mean, we're. I saw this. It was a picture. It was like this big sort of. He looked kind of like grimace. I don't know, like a big amorphous kind of monster, and he had his fingers up like this through a piece of paper and each of those individual fingers is us like the Pokemon Diglett. If you remember Diglett. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But underneath Diglett is, is the guy who's, that's just his fingers. If I may. Yeah. It's a go ahead. No, I just to say, you're right. The divide, the divide is far more harmful. I think than good. If we all saw ourselves, like I see when I see you, I sure I see Clayton, but I also see like, that's actually just more of me in a way. And it's not me either. I'm not me. 
What a thing! <laughs> what a thing to say, but it's true. No, it, that's a yeah. You're touching on the the truth and the reality of the nature, right? Mm-hmm. It's and and a part of that is that you. Uh, I, I just had this conversation in the Tiara thing, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you heard it. Is we talk about how you know in our society we are like we believe that opposites attract, right. and it's like no, 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 no. It's like that's that's wrong. That's that scientific lens being placed on reality. Mm what is actually happening is you attract what you are. And it's the whole, like your, your parents may have told you, like when you point a finger at someone, there's three pointing back at you. Sure. And, and, and it's such a profound idea because it, it, it really highlights how you are what you're saying. Right. Mm. It, it, it's really the people say words carry energy and they cast a spell. And it's so true because if I go around telling everyone how much they suck, it's like, dude, you're just telling yourself how much you suck. That's you right. know, that's right. You go around and you look for the best in people and it highlights the best within you. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is why I, you know, in that whole diglet uh, expression <laughs> that you kind of went through, this is the huge point of uh, meditating that I find is so amazing. It helps mm. you to realize, right. And so let's, if we break this down into sure. that 3d, that 3d model, you realize so many people live their life thinking that they're their thoughts or that they're emotions, mm-hmm. identifying with the thoughts and emotions. Right. Oh, well, this is what makes me up. I'm this, you know, 3D person. I'm this guy with a beard. Right. I'm this, I'm that. But in reality is whenever you meditate, you can get to this place where you kind of stop all that thinking. You stop the thinking, you stop the thoughts. And if you don't stop them, you can realize that you're observing them. Mm. So who are you that is now observing these thoughts and emotions that you were recently identified with? Mm-hmm. So it really breaks you down and say, well, who really are you? You know, even this label of I'm Clayton, I'm a male, I'm, you know, a jujitsu practitioner, I'm a blue belt. Mm-hmm. It's like, those are labels that those are 3d labels. Yeah. You know, whenever you say, who am I? It's like, Fuck, like have, good luck. Good, good luck. luck finding words in this 3D <laughs> reality to describe yes. what you are. It's a curse in some ways to ha- to have this brain that is so powerful which al- almost on an evolutionary level it makes no sense that we have such a high horsepower organ in there in a body that is still so rudimentary and, and just built for killing and eating and fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's uh it, we're <laughs> A good way to summarize it is that we're these spirits or we're, you know, five dimensional, six dimensional beings mm-hmm. just having a human experience. Right. You know, it's it's really that we're just wearing a VR, you know, skin suit <laughs> and we chose to be human for a little bit. And then, you know, after 90 years, we're like, all right, did we learn all the lessons we came here to learn? Did we enjoy our human experience? It's like and maybe it's not even 90 years. The crazy thing is, is. We never really know when our last breath is going to be had. It could be, you know, heaven forbid, and you know, doing this podcast for yeah. all I know. Hopefully, you know, on the it, podcast. That's all. <laughs> that's all I want to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Create some good, some good buzz. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I think yeah. that's poetic stuff, man. Do you? I mean, you don't remember being born, so how do you know what the hell's going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, you. Yeah, you don't remember and. Yeah, it's just you're you're having that 3D experience. You're you're coming into it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, what is your personal sort of belief right now for for what that for what is, let's call it the metaphysical. Like, where are you at with your relationship to 
to God for lack of a better word? It's a, it's a good question. Uh, it's, it's certainly, first of all, I'll say it's certainly something that changes mm. a very, maybe every couple of months I'm having a different epiphany or something that, that changes it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. I was recently reading a guy named uh, Neville Goddard and he, his whole big thing is that your, your subconscious is the representation of God, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, it's powerful stuff. And I, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of things that kind of are going on, but in a simplistic form, right? Like this is the third dimension, let's say, right? We're physical body, energy, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It's third dimension. The next level up, it, it appears to be time, which you could argue okay. is the fourth dimension. And, and, you know, there's even books out there such as go grab these books. If you're interested, uh, the power of now and uh, the untethered soul. And both of these books even point to that time is an illusion, right? We're not even like, there's only the infinite. Now there is no past, present, future. Those are all constructs of your mind and none of it's real because you envision the past from this experience and this lens that you held beforehand. And maybe you experience the world different now, but if you keep using your past, then it's going to creep creating your future. And so you can go into meditation and do different meditations, which can rewrite your past. And this is something I actually want to create like a digital course on this okay. whole meditation thing, but cool. without getting too deep into that, um, let me, <laughs> let me simplify it. Right. That was wild. I feel like I yeah. went wherever you were going. I went there. <laughs> Time is an awesome. illusion. God damn it. Time, yeah, it, it really is, man. I mean, you know, it, of course things, progress in a sense but but even more so they're they've even proven that time is an illusion based on the way that gravity and space around it um is kind of pulling at you like i think einstein did an experiment where he flew a plane with a clock on it like a stop or whatever type of ticking clock right and flew it around the earth at a certain speed and then whenever it came back they compared it to a you know a clock they had on the ground and it was right. different by several minutes and it's like you know, you know, things like that. It's just, it's, and then even to break that down into a interpersonal level, sure. People's lives will flash by. And what happens is, is it's usually the people who go to a job that they hate for 15 years. They go through the motions. They just get into this routine. I'm going to go to this place and then here and then there I'm going to, I'm going to get off at this, um, exit and then once i get off at that exit then i go here and what happens is is it comes back to that thing where you're like someone cuts off the traffic and you get pissed well it's because they've interrupted your daily routine and now Mm. you have to deal with the outside world as what the hell is going on and so you get mad you you've been programmed into that anger as your first response so you go to that place now what happens is is that their life happens so much faster than everybody else's relatively speaking Mm. because there's nothing new to stimulate their mind. There's nothing new to stimulate growth or experience. Um, and the people who, you know, have the longest life tend to be people who are always doing different things. They're, you know, they've got a routine maybe, but usually it's only in the morning, but then they're just experiencing the day as it unfolds. Mm. Maybe they're traveling a lot, you know, it, it shifts the perspective of time and, and it's, and it's relative to the, to the person. You know, we have these clocks that are just essentially measuring the rate at which we go around the sun. Sure. But it's not, in a sense, it's not 
real as you abstract and look at it from that from that side of things. So <laughs> tell me then, has meditation helped you to sort of break break down that that what you're talking about is well, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I, I have some <laughs> idea of what you're talking about, but to to sort of keep it afloat, you're talking about going through life without perceiving truly the fact that you're going through life. Is that does that seem right? Like that's a good way to put it. All right. You get you get trapped into those thoughts and emotions, right? right. And it's it's yeah, it's just these it's these continuous feedback loops that right. you know, kind of like what we were talking about with Instagram and and uh, Facebook is it becomes so addicting. It's like, okay, this happened, that happened, this happened, that happened. Right. It's like, and it just get, it becomes this perpetual thing within your mind that's just going on. And it's not even, you're not even paying attention to the outside world around you. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think there's a saying, it's like, if you're not paying attention, your life will pass you by. <laughs> and it's like, if you're not in the present moment, seeing what's going on, feeling what's going on, right, doing what you love, the world's going to pass by in an instant and you're not even going to notice it. You're not even going to realize you've lived your life. And what a tragedy that would be because I mean, come on, we're blessed to live in this time. Right. I mean, there's, there's really no better time to be alive. I don't think people might say in the seventies, but (laughs) weren't doing this in the (laughs) seventies. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, and maybe even a, I'm just thinking about this kind of wrap up that whole idea is a way you can look at this. And if, and if you don't believe me, if anything I've said, you're, you're like, you're listening to this and you're like, there's, this is BS. <laughs> I suggest that you look back on your life and think about what you remember the most and what you're going to remember the most is times of change, you know, going from middle school to high school, going mm. from high school to college is a huge one where people remember a lot because that's where a huge change occurs in your life. And so you're getting flooded with all this new information, these new people, these new experiences, you remember it more. Mm-hmm. Now, the next thing you're going to have, usually the next memory that is really imprinted on people is after college. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened whenever you, let's say, graduated? What was graduation like? You know, Where were you after you graduated? What did you do after you graduated? Did you get a job right away? Right. You know, And then now you're in a new job, a new environment. You're doing new things. You're getting flooded with all these memories and this new information. You're energized. You're into it. But then all, you know, those whole processes that you're unaware of start to kick back in. They start to feed you. And so next thing you know, 15 years is gone and you don't really have any memories of the last 15 years. The last thing you remember is getting the job. And now it's 15 years later. And you're like, where the hell did the time go? You know, my life went by so fast and I didn't even notice it. Right. And that's why it's incumbent upon us to keep challenging ourselves, right? Like I hesitated to bring this up, but I'm curious if you have any relation or or knowledge of jordan peterson's works yeah yeah i'm a big fan okay and i'm uh, me too for the most part well whatever for the part. but you know he's <laughs> yeah. a he's infallible human just like all of us he's not perfect he's done a lot of sure. good done a lot of good he's also done some strange things but yeah i guess he his whole thing about rescuing your father from the belly of the whale means to challenge yourself so deeply that's the biblical story of isaiah i suppose maybe that's right right he right. goes into the whale and finds his father and brings him up. But it's not about your literal father. It's like you challenge yourself to the deepest possible being of your of your being because that's how you fundamentally get the most out of your DNA, out of your genetics. You actually become the best version of yourself the harder you challenge yourself. So when you talk about blowing 15 years on doing the same things, 
that to me is a tragedy, but it's, it's what happens when you stop that growth stagnation, I guess is what occurs. Entropy. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, exact same thing, right? You're either growing or you're shrinking, right? It's not, it's true. you're not doing either one. And so, yeah, you got to challenge yourself. And, and quite frankly, that, that whole belly of the beast, uh, you know, going to save your father, I feel like you can pull a lot from my story with eating, with food, you know, okay. from, and you can shadow that lens onto it. Right. It's like, I got these things from my dad, you know, and you know, there's some things from my mom too, that I've even just realized with money, like my whole money thing I got from my mom. And that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is that you're going to that ancestral yep. person, right? My dad had it. And my dad would talk about how his family, he gets it from his family. And I'm sure that they got it from their family yeah. and it goes up that list. And so the metaphysical idea there is that you're challenging some way of belief that you got programmed from your parents when you were born right. and they got programmed from their parents. And so by saving your father, you're really saving yourself. Yes. And your son. And your son. Yeah. That's a great point too. Whoever you're going to have after you, you, you healed that intergenerational trauma, let's say, or that intergenerational misfire. Mm -hmm. And now you no longer are going to propagate that onto your son and then the people around you as well. And yeah, that's so wild too, because you think you, if, like you said, it goes your, your dad, your grandpa, all that. You could probably go all the way back down the family tree to where it was important to eat when you had a chance because you, there was no food. It's like, so if you right. got a chance to fill your gut, you better do it. But now it's like, right. we, don't, we don't live in that world now. Yeah. And that's a good point too, right? It goes back to that fear and scarcity. Mm -hmm. Like this was something I realized when I was going through this whole uh, realization. Mm. Is I um I normally like I would normally eat something ridiculous like six eggs and six stripes of bacon for breakfast, <laughs> something crazy like that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I used to thrive off that. Number one, I used to thrive off people being like, "Oh my gosh, that's so much food! Like that's crazy!" Like I would emotionally, that'd be like, "Yeah, fuck yeah!" Like I'm yeah. I'm sick. Like that's a lot of food. Yeah, yeah. you're sick, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the other aspect of that is that. You know, I challenged myself. I was like, okay, I normally fill this bowl up, you know, complete with bacon and eggs. Well, right. let me only do half of that because I can always go back and get more. I, you know, mm. only did three bacon, three strips of bacon and three strips of it or three eggs and put it in the bowl. And I got this rush of anxiety. And I, I, I wow. was so anxious to look at this bowl that only had half filled. And what I realized was, is it was that scarcity. It was that fear of not having enough and you, that fear, which you know, is a, as a useful biological tool sure. was the running my life. The issue was, is that it was running my diet. It was forcing me to overeat. That's, that's crazy, man. I was just writing that down. I didn't uh, mind blowing stuff because, <laughs> so were you saying that you used to be over, like you're heavier as a kid, overweight maybe, or, you know, husky? Yeah. Yeah. I got a, I mean, I don't have like any real good photos of it, I guess. <laughs> Probably rightfully Probably so. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I do remember there's one photo of me, uh, probably it would have been junior or senior year of high school. And I definitely had a, had a belly, you know, okay. for sure. Mm. And it was definitely something I was always self-conscious of. And, um, you know, I always worked out a lot and I thought I was eating healthy, but I wasn't even eating healthy. Right. And, and even if you're eating healthy, if you eat too much, it, it doesn't matter. Your body's going to store it, you know? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that was a huge thing I went on and throughout college was discovering nutrition and dieting and everything in between there. Well, let's go down that road a little more 
because I think that's where I'm at is like, I've, I've really reformed. I had one demon that I've been open about on the show a bit, which is pornography use and all that. I've, psh, that's out of my okay. life. That's, that's gone. That's not a thing for me. Good anymore. for you. Thank Good you. Good for you. I think the next thing is to sort of reform the next demon of my relationship to food. Like I, I'm pretty fit. Uh, but I don't know if I, I eat very strangely and I, I fast 16, 20, 23 hours because when I, when I eat, it's just fucking reckless. Right. You know, so maybe talk to me about what, what I understand your realization that you had with your relationship to food, but what was, what was the inner work process? Like you actually started taking less food at mealtime, it sounds like, or how, what did that look like? It's a good question. Uh, so there was a, I guess it would be like a breathing uh, ceremony I went to or something where, um, I wish I would remember exactly what happened, but essentially you can use your breath and uh, you take these really deep inhales and really deep exhales okay. and you really energize and get the blood flowing nice. and you actually can start to release some uh, DMT within your own body just from doing breath work. Nice. And so I got to this place in that breath work where what happened? I'm trying to remember what exactly happened, but something happened with like realizing I needed to something along the lines of realizing I had like a, a scarcity mentality around food. That was like the epiphany I had. It was just like, it's like, dude, you you have a scarcity mentality around food. I was like, holy shit. Like you're right. Like, and I started thinking about it and that was when I then tried that whole bowl exercise I did. I did that after that. Okay. And that's when I got that spike of anxiety. And then here's, here's the beautiful thing. And here's where your question is, right? Is once you've identified, there's that issue, that blockage in a sense inside you, right? This is where I would turn to meditation and I would sit there and I would meditate and I'd kind of get myself into a very relaxed place. And I think it's super crucial that you do that because when you're relaxed and you can fall into your subconscious, you can fall into that abyss of nothing or that abyss of everything. Even you can Mm. really tap into the, to the knowledge of the universe. And what I would do is, is I'd get into this very relaxed state and then I would have myself experience that fear, right? I would, I would experience myself looking at that, that bowl that was half filled. And it's crazy. As I talk about this, I can still vividly see that bowl in my mind. And what it does is, is it creates this emotion inside you like this, this, this fear, this scare scarcity, or this uh, anxiousness inside you. Right. And what I would do is, is then what you do is you let that emotion be. And, you know, it's, it's the whole saying, uh, whatever, you know, you shine in the light, whatever darkness you shine in the light becomes light kind of thing. Hmm. So what you do is, is you find exactly where in space and usually it's within your body, but if you're meditating, your eyes are closed and Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's nothing, right? Right. You find exactly where in space that energy is, is building where exactly is the center of it. Right. You know, if I ask you if, uh, you know, what makes you anxious and you can kind of feel it in your body a little bit, but and you can be like, oh, it's like in my chest. But the question yeah. is, is where exactly in your chest is it? And so, you know, you you sit there and you meditate and you find that that point, that mm-hmm. point within your body of where that energy is kind of stored and stopped. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, you'll kind of have all these different revelations of like, oh, I remember when I felt this emotion at that point in my life, or I felt it at this point as well. And I found it here and here. And at which point you can kind of go in and, and have this inner talk within yourself and be mm-hmm. like, you know, you're, you're feeling this, you know, uh, scaredness because of this, you're inhibiting your intuition because of this. And you kind of talk to yourself in those moments and just right, be like, right. 
you know, you know, six-year-old Clayton, like it's totally cool. Like I understand why you thought this and why this kind of works the way it does. And it's totally cool, man. Like, you know, let's heal this, let's heal from this, you know? And, And at which point you kind of can then, you know, heal. And <laughs> I love because this kind of ties back into our the past and present are a are a fallacy, right? They're mm-hmm. not real. Is once you go back and rewire this this part of your brain again, you got to be in a you don't have to be, but you should be in a deep meditative place when you do this. Okay. It helps more. Let's okay. say you then are rewriting your past in a sense. You're you're realigning everything that's ever occurred in your past, and it ripples throughout this fabric of quote unquote time into your present moment and makes you complete. It helps you realize what needed to be realized to move you forward in whatever this thing is that you needed to heal. If that makes sense. Oh, it makes (laughs) sense. Did it hurt? (laughs) Like, did it hurt? (laughs) I mean, uh, no, I mean, I don't mean to cheapen it at all. I'm surprised that such a thing is possible. Yeah, I mean, well, and again, this comes back to the whole aspect that you are you are God. Like we all right. are God. Like yeah. your subconscious and whatever beliefs you hold are real. You know, so it's this whole preaching. It comes back to the preaching thing. Like you can't preach at people because what they believe is right. Like you are right. You know, if we if you believe that you have to have the vaccine to be good with the whole thing, then you're right. Like if you have to have this, then you are right. You know, like and that's what is so fascinating by all this and to get back your question if it hurt i mean it didn't it didn't hurt right it maybe emotionally there's emotional pain involved with it mm-hmm. but it's you just got to choose if you want to live with that pain or if you want to heal it and integrate it right. and make and realize that it's what's causing these issues within your current life and you want to move past it so i mean you know people might not want to i i completely understand but i I, I highly encourage it because there's right. so much you're relinquishing your power. You're, you're becoming more powerful just by doing those things, by examining those emotions and letting them sit and go through your body instead of just kind of squeezing onto them and, and holding them in this tight pot. I mean, I argue you, it's more painful to just sit there with that emotion throughout your entire life. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's going to cause you more pain than, than that's actually gonna- experiencing it for 30 minutes, you know, that's going to kill you. You got to get that evil out of you. Exactly. Or, or exactly it, integrated, I think is the word you use, which is probably more like it is part of you. So it doesn't go right. away, does it? Or does it? Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a really good, uh, you know, thing to emphasize is, uh, I've, I've talked to somebody who, um, he was saying that, you know, money was a big issue for him and the way he viewed money. Okay. And I was talking to him about it and he said that he said, quote unquote, yeah, I buried that. And I think that's a, huge myth step because it's it's not that you bury it it's that you integrate it you realize because what happens is is once you feel this anxiety like that whole food thing i still feel it a little bit to this date the point is is that every time it shows its ugly face you recognize it and say oh that right there is the feeling of me being afraid of scarcity with food so don't fall into that. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, is over time, you're reprogramming your brain. This is whole neurolinguistic stuff that they've proven is real. Cool. You reprogram your brain over time that this feeling is this. And so I'm not going to eat that cookie or that chocolate because I know this is me coming from a scarcity or a fear-based mentality. 
And so over time, it becomes easier and easier for you to say no to food or mm-hmm. say no to porn, you know, in your, in your situation. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's, that's so right, man. Like people have to understand that even when you conquer this addiction or this trauma or whatever, like I still want to do it. Yeah. I, I would love to look at those images, but I, but I don't need to. You know, when I say right. I would love to, it's like that part of me, it's, it's been integrated and he knows it's like, it was for the, it was not for the better and it was not good for myself. Just like with you and the food, it's like, they're not scarce. There's enough food for the, your whole damn life. Right. Right. I, but it's, yeah, I but mean, that is still in there, right? Like that belief that it needs to be done. I don't know if that ever goes away or, or do you think it would over time? See, I don't, that's a good question, right? The honest answer is I don't know, but I have to believe at some level, the answer is yes. I hear so many people, a lot of people say no, that it's something you stay with your entire life. But I just, I personally don't, and it's interesting because here it comes into whatever you believe is real, right? Right. So if you want to believe that it's with you, your rest of your life, then you're right. You're right. But I, the way I view it is it's more of like a, a rock getting dropped into water, right? And what happens is, is that rock gets dropped and it creates these huge waves within your body and your mm-hmm. body being that water. Okay. And those waves stay there until you acknowledge them. And once you acknowledge them and you feel them hitting the shoreline, right? The shoreline being your present moment, mm-hmm. then you can minimize them and you can smooth them out and you can mm-hmm. calm them down. And then by using, by reintegrating your brain like every time i feel this emotion it's like okay that's what that is just breathe through it let it go through your body it minimizes that wave it it reduces its impact on your life and i i the honest answer is i don't know if that's going to be something that's forever but Mm -hmm. you know the way i see it is it's something that you just need to acknowledge and just be aware of and and just by being aware of it 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 kind of pulls it takes that it gives you it stores that power within you and Mm so I believe that you're just minimizing the waves and you can keep minimizing them. Um, you know, so people say that it stays with you forever, but I just don't want to believe that, you know, I want to believe that I'm minimizing the waves. And so I mm. see that as being the way that it would carry out. Beautiful. Well, that gives me hope. And hopefully a lot of other people that if you have an addictive bent or there's some trauma that's changing the way you behave, you can, you can heal it. That's the crazy thing is you are the all powerful God of your own universe. Right. And, you know, and I, and I think this is uh, something important to note is that this goes one of two ways. There's some people who have the personality type where it's like, it's a light switch. It's like, okay, I'll just cut off chocolate for the rest of my life. (laughs) If you can do that by all means. Um, But if you have something like a porn addiction, for instance, it's like, Mm. you know, maybe you have to go down and reduce it from four times a week to two or like one. And, you got to measure it out, see how it feels. But, you know, again, and this goes into with meditating and, you know, that whole, you know, realm of reality. And so I, mm-hmm. that's kind of, a, I think an important um, distinction to make as well. Absolutely. Right, 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 right. Do you, I guess the thing I should say is that it wasn't the content so much, the pornography that was the problem. It was the behavior that goes along with that and how that just decimates a person on the, on an energy level, on a hormonal level. Sure. And to me, it was actually journaling and writing my daily journal and then reading it. Imagine reading a year of your life, like a book and realizing how (laughs) fucked up you are. (laughs) You know, it's like (laughs) something is wrong here. And I think that's what allowed me to see it. I'm just wondering, is is journaling, because I don't meditate. 
but I find okay. journaling is in some ways, but I know I sh- probably would like to meditate properly or in a way that works. But to me, the journaling did it in a certain kind of way, a certain temporal. It allowed me to stretch out my life on a timeline and observe it. Yeah, no, journaling is actually a really, it's a fascinating thing you bring up every morning. My morning routine is that I wake up and the first thing I'll do is meditate for mm-hmm. like 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. And then not every single day, but a lot of my day, I'll, most of my days, I'll then journal um, by just writing my life as if, as what I want it to be, right? Like I am traveling the world. I am with, uh, you know, the best significant other ever. Mm. I am making this much a month. I am doing this. I am doing that. Now, cool. there's so many different types of journaling, right? I That's what I personally do. Right. Uh, I, and I love it. It makes me more calm and centered and, and it imprints, right? It imprints on that subconscious of yes. that. I am doing this. I am this. I am happy. I am fulfilling my life. I am the best, you know, podcast host of all time. No offense, <laughs> but <laughs> well, we can fight about it later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, off air, we could talk about that, okay. but then even, even something I just started doing recently. And if you're watching this, I'll kind of flash my little thing here. Okay. Is, uh, here's uh, the past day, but essentially what it is, is I've uh, decided that, you know, you need to track these things that you're um, kind of getting better at. Let me put it up to the camera here so you can kind of get a better oh, yeah. look. But so things on here, you know, it's like food, exercise, meditation, entertainment, education, and podcasting. So what I do is, is I will write down everything I eat in a day. Or um, if I exercise, what was my exercise for that day? Hmm. Um, meditation, how many minutes did I actually meditate? And then a big one for me right now is entertainment versus education. Cool. Because I'm because I think that, you know, it comes back to that whole new experiences, new understanding. Mm-hmm. If you keep learning, then you're going to, you know, keep expanding your mind. But if yeah. you're just entertaining yourself, you're kind of numbing it. You're kind of bringing it down to a lower frequency. Big time. Um so yeah, that's kind of the journaling I do throughout the day now, actually in the last 3 days is is make those notes of those things I want to track, the things I want to improve and see where I can make micro adjustments each day mm-hmm. to you know, really have a profound impact over the course of my life. Now, do you, is that what you're talking about there? Is that something like manifesting or, or affirmations? Like you're saying these things, are they, are they presently happening or, or you say that they're happening? So then they will happen. Like what's. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's a good question. Um, And yeah, manifesting is definitely the, again, back to the buzzwords, right? Because I think it's, it's such a nuanced thing, right? People want to say, and here's the crazy thing about manifesting is you can look at it in a sense of, all right, I, well, if I say I want, you know, a million dollars to drop out of the sky from a plane, you know, that might not happen. Right. And then there's the other thing of manifesting where I argue that, well, if I, if I'm thirsty and I want to drink of water, I mean, I can manifest that right now, right? Here's my water bottle. I just manifested that, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's a little gray area with that conversation for sure. But um, there's also uh, a huge key thing that I'm a fan of is now, and it's something Neville Goddard talks about is the law of assumption, right? It comes back to that self-talk. Okay. Um, you know, you, you, you're manifesting, everybody is manifesting in a sense right now, whether you agree with me or not, you're doing it. Like you're manifesting the reality based off of these past thoughts mm-hmm. that you've conditioned yourself to believe throughout yes. time. And to look at the negative of this, um, I always point to shameless and I don't know if if anyone, if you haven't seen it, shameless is about like this, this house of eight kids and the oldest daughter is kind of like the head of it. Their dad's a degenerate drunk who 
Yeah. William H. Macy? Uh, maybe. I think so. I've never seen so, it. Oh, okay. Well, so perfect. So the core, the core fundamental principle is though, is that they're, they're the Gallagher's their last names, the Gallagher's and you know, they have, they have kids of all age ranges. You know, there's like a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 22-year-old. And then the the female is like 31 and she's like kind of the, essentially the parent of all the kids. Okay. Well, there's one kid who's absolutely brilliant. Like he's just a genius. But the problem is, is that he has this reoccurring thought in him is, oh, well, this always happens to Gallagher's, you know, something's about to go right for them. They're about to hit their big stride. And then someone goes to jail. Hmm. They're about to hit their big stride and they get caught by the police. Well, what happens is, is I'm a Gallagher. So it's supposed to happen. They're creating this. And I mean, it's a TV show, right? But it highlights so crucially that if you're constantly telling yourself you're making bad decisions, you're going to make bad decisions. Right. You're manifesting that based off these scripts that you're telling yourself throughout your life. So by journaling every day, I am traveling the world. I am doing this. Mm-hmm. It, it, it happens and it doesn't happen overnight because that's not how any of this works. Um, personal example, because I keep saying I am traveling in this present January 14th of 2022, mm-hmm. I am traveling. I have the freedom now mm-hmm. to be wherever I want to be, do whatever I want to do. If we were to flashback three years, I was the first time that I had this intuition of, I want to travel the world. I want to be able to live on my own accord, on my own dime, whenever I want. I want to be working whenever I want, wherever I want. Right. It was from a trip to Brazil. Nice. And I started kind of, this whole process of things came down. I was, we would not be having this conversation <laughs> had we sure. had this happened three years ago, mm-hmm. but it started this whole process of events that by me constantly telling myself, and maybe it wasn't that constant at the beginning, right. but as I was like going through the process, I was telling myself like, I need to figure out a way to make this happen. I need to do this. I need to do that. And over trial and error, different things, mm-hmm. you know, we can get into whatever all happened, but after sure. three years, well, I guess two and a half years because it's I'm now on like month six of traveling the world and being where I want to be. It is now my reality. It is now the world that I'm living from. Um, so that's my personal example of the positive and negatives of, you know, we are manifesting, you know, the whole thing as it is. I think you have to look at it that way because what's the alternative? It's like people who constantly use self-deprecating and sarcastic humor. Well, yeah. that, that, I mean, oh, I'll never... We could never, it'll never. It's like, you're right, actually. But if I say, if I say I'm going to start a million dollar business or I'm going to have the best relationships or I'm going to do this, that I'm going to go here, be this, that's a lot. I mean, they have to be honest and say, that's a lot better chance that that's going to happen. I would also say I've manifested some things that I cannot say that it was anything other than that. I put it out in the universe enough that it, it had to happen. Right. And that's the whole, like, you don't attract the op, you, like, it's not opposites attract. It's right. you attract what you are, you know? So if you're constantly right. telling yourself right. you're a bad person, you're going to attract a bad person. Like that's kind of just the way all this plays out. How does that feed into the idea that we are talking about of the universe essentially being uni, being a singular thing? Doesn't that, like, right. are you just attracting more of what, how does that work? Um, <laughs> Let's see here. So, so it is this singular thing, but you're, you're embodying a a small aspect of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
I am this human body materialistic Clayton that mm-hmm. is experiencing the universe in my way. Mm-hmm. So whatever you feed into yourself, you're going to get out in your external reality, right? Like if I'm imprinting on my subconscious, which right. is another representation of quote unquote God or spirit or whatever you want to call it. Sure. That is where I'm going to be. That is where I am going to be imprinting this onto my external reality. So I'm imprinting. It's kind of trying to, it's trying to take your masculine uh, consciousness and imprint it down onto your subconscious. Mm. You know, it's, and it's, and this is why you need to kind of be in a deep place of meditation is when this is the most powerful, because that's whenever you're kind of uh, lowering the brain wave, your, your brain waves, and you're getting yourself into more theta and Delta brain waves. And, okay. and if you're interested in all the science behind this, go check out uh, any of Joe Dispenza's work of uh, su- becoming supernatural. And I haven't read it yet, but it's the next book I'm reading. It's uh, breaking the habit of being okay. um, those go into the whole science behind manifestation and becoming the best version of yourself, which is, so powerful and it, it's crazy that he actually you know it and maybe there's a few jumps there if you want to really nitpick it but he he gets as close as you can to being like you know this is the physical scientific world here's the spiritual world and now we're going to merge them into one one thing and mm-hmm. this is this is manifestation this is how you create your reality and how you are god and how you become supernatural in all sense and purposes because when you are doing those things and I'll get to that. I'll get you to give me that guy's name. Dispenza D I D I S P E N Z A. Oh, I got it right. Okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> because when you're doing those things, when you are imprinting, as you say, or uh, to me, it feels like attraction or it feels like you're, I don't know what it is, but because there's no words for it, truly, uh, you might say, or I'll say, yeah. people seem to like, I, let's say I was a different person five years ago on my energy level, how I vibrated. People found me hard to approach, they would say, you know, wasn't wasn't making it with the ladies when I was younger, let's say. But now that I've, my vibration is, I guess it's higher, I would like to say, I find people come to me. This podcast has become, I got 100 episodes in a year. It was, it became easy. All I had to do was present the fact that I existed and people came to it. I mean, look at me, for instance. You came yeah. to, out of, you just came out of God knows where, out of Pittsburgh, <laughs> somewhere in Pittsburgh, maybe, but who knows, right? What's well, up yeah. with that? I mean, it's just, it's the whole, you get back what you put out, right? right. It's, it's the whole giving before receiving thing. Mm. It's, it's karma. I mean, I mean, karma is super real. Um, yes. You know, I, I don't know if that really fits in here. Well, I'm well, thinking about it, so I'll say it, but. Recently, I, I kind of got, you know, ah, no, nah, it doesn't really fit. doesn't really fit in there, but it's just the, it's the looking at the best in every situation, right? Sure. Or just trying to be a little bit better, right? Trying to provide value. I think Gary Vee talks about this, but provide value before you ask for it, right? It's, it's, I want to help you. And this is where it kind of gets a little tricky because I, I sometimes like think like, oh, I just want to keep providing value so that I can get some in return. And it's like, it's, it's difficult to you know, you kind of just, it's difficult for me because I'm like, I totally believe that if you give value before you get it, but I don't want to be just giving value because I, because I expect something in return. Right. It's like, I, I truly want the best of humanity. I want the best for the world. And I try to put that into my podcast. And I know if I do that, then something great will come on the other end, but then it can right. becomes that like catch 22 of like, 
well, am I doing this for me or for them? But it's just, I just got to keep just focusing on, you know, my listeners and focusing on my, you know, the person I'm interviewing and just hoping it's the best experience for them. And then I just have faith that it's just going to come back to me at some point in time. Right. Well, we should say it's not like that's easy. It's not like any of this shit that we're talking about is easy. So the fact that you can't do it consistently or as often as you'd like is understandable. I'm probably the same way. It's like, yeah, I wanted to do this because then I would hope that more people would hear me through you. Truly. But now it's like, as we get talking, it's like, this is just two nodes, two disparate nodes in the universe connected. I mean, that's all, but it's hard to be free in your mind at all times to think that way. You have to, I mean, the ego is a powerful force for one thing. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's definitely worth noting. Like I, you know, there is a part of me that's like, oh, I want to come on Patrick's podcast because then his listeners are going to hear me and then go find my stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you, you got to kind of find a way to separate that. It's like, no, I want to go provide value to Patrick's audience. I want to provide value to him alone. I want to having this conversation. I want him to see the world, how I see it and see if I can see how he sees it and see if I can figure out something from him because mm-hmm. just having this conversation, knowing there's another person out there who thinks, you know, on these same levels as me, right. it's like, you know, in a way it's validating enough just, just as being energetic, enjoying this, having yes feeling energized. Like I feel energized talking to you, which oh, yeah. is so important just for my well-being. let's say in a, at a basic level. hundred percent. I don't see how you, anyone could, people could go through life without at least seeking that growth, seeking that it's, it's neat when you start looking in terms of energy, that's a pretty new thing in my life, but it is definitely real energy and vibrations and aura, if you will. Yeah. Uh, getting more in touch with my chakras as well. I, this is all shit that was woo woo, uh, but it's it's more real than anything else. Well, I mean, if we want to bring it to a scientific uh, conversation, I remember I, for a while, maybe a couple months, I was I always was repeating like, oh, the only things that are real in this universe are energy and matter, energy mm. and matter. Right. And my brother caught me one time. Uh, he's a super smart kid. He works at like SpaceX, and you know, oh, he's, really? got, he's yeah, cool. he's down the whole scientific rabbit hole. Okay. <laughs> and so I say that to him, and he goes, well do you remember Einstein's equation? And I'm like, well, which one? He's like E equals MC squared energy equals matter times the speed of light squared. It's Mm. like everything is energy. Energy is the only thing that's here. You know, it's, if you want to break it down to a fundamental level, everything you are looking at is just atoms that are bouncing off of each other. There is nothing else, but your mind, the way you interpret it, it's like, Oh, that's a laptop. That's a light. That's a computer. But at a fundamental level with a strong enough microscope, it's just atoms. It's just neutrons and electrons yeah. in empty space. And 90 crazy thing is, is 70% of what you're looking at is empty space. Like, you know, like the whole neutrons and electron cloud, it's, it's, it's empty space in a sense. There is nothing. Majority of shit is made up of nothing. And it's like, <laughs> well, what the hell is going on here? You know? Good question. The majority of <laughs> shit is empty space. What is going on here? <laughs> I mean, I don't even know where to go with from that. <laughs> I guess uh, one thing I did want to run by you, what what we're talking about, like you guys, like you and I, we seem to have a a bent towards like we're we're creating a maybe art, a show, a presentation. We have no problem, you know, we're representing ourselves, all that sort of thing. Like I, my background is video production, so it's all it's been a life of just creation, art, representation. 
you're maybe on a different side of things, but like I, I have friends who are in construction and they just, they don't look at life the same way, but maybe this is again, boxes and individualizing, but maybe it's something with how we interface with the universe. I'm more towards representation and creation, but these guys, I mean, they create too, but they have no, they don't, is this making any sense? The difference between someone who paints or does art or represents versus someone who sees the world as, you know, maybe it's all the same. Maybe I'm reaching for something that's not there. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the question is, but if I would approach that the way it's like resonating with me is that it's the, it's kind of the materialist worldview versus the, let's say spiritual or abstractness. Mm. It's, it's, well, the laptop's real because I see it and that's all that there is. Mm. And it's like, well, you know, you can't see atoms, but those are real too. Mm. So what, Oh, well, if I have a microscope that's big enough or strong enough, I can see the atoms. It's like, well, if you sit in a room long enough and close your eyes and do absolutely nothing, you'll have some profound experiences of your own. Like I've done very long meditations and not that anyone should try these, but just for hour long meditations. And you will get to a place where you will literally enjoy sitting there doing nothing. It's like, (laughs) and you will experience some things that you cannot put into words and that's the best that I can lay out for you. And I, I don't know what you kind of kind of make from that. Right. Like it's, it's, you know, how do you combine these material things, these, you know, these materialistic items with the, with the world of the unknown of just closing your eyes and seeing what happens, like close your eyes and sit still for an hour. First of all, can you even do that? Like, (laughs) Like, can you even close your eyes and sit still? No, uh, blah, blah, blah. I have too much to do. I have this, I have that, blah, blah. It's like, it's all excuses. You just can't do it. Uh, and I'm sorry <laughs> if that comes across as, you know, as mean or you know rude, it's but it's true. just like, if you can't sit still, I mean, let's, let's have you sit still for an hour, maybe two hours, maybe you need two hours mm-hmm. to sit still, right. say nothing, do nothing and close your eyes. If you do that, then we can have a more you know deeper conversation about what's real and what's not because you'll, <laughs> you'll be exposed to some things, man. Very interesting. I guess I have to start down that path myself. Start small. I'm also right. Yeah, <laughs> start don't small. Start small. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I had a million thoughts and then they scattered. Give me one second. Yeah, sure thing, man. I know the mind can jump around with these types of conversations. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been thinking about. Are you familiar with the French writer Albert Camus? I am not. You might like his stuff because his one thing he often says is that the universe is chaotic, essentially, without meaning. And it's the human mind that tries to impose meaning. And it's that lack of really being able to do that that creates a feeling of absurdity, he calls it, where we realize that there's way too much going on that I cannot make sense of. And so, but the, the freedom there is that I get to make my own values, I get to impose values on the world. But he talked about. Uh, even science essentially just being a metaphor, right? He'd say like, you can't show me those atoms that you're talking about, so I just have to believe your story. I guess, do you, do you in your meditation, in your in your thinking, in your podcasting, do you come to what Camus called the waterless desert where we just kind of hit the limits of consciousness and it's like, do you, do you ever feel existential dread from all this sort of understanding? Oh, well, so there's a, there's a thing in, I, I know what you're talking about. And there's a thing in, uh, the short answer is yes. Okay. Uh, there's a, there's a thing called, I believe it's called the dark night of the soul. 
And I experienced this myself after my first, um, my first uh, psilocybin ceremony. Okay. Uh, where it breaks you down once you, <laughs> you're like, what the fuck is real? Like you, <laughs> you. It's so hard to describe, but it's this like, it's like I've been running. You hit this point of like, I've been running all these scripts in my life about food. I've been running all my script, all these scripts in my life about, about relationships. And it's not real. It's like, well, what is real then? What, what do I get to decide as being real? What am I doing here? Why is all this happening? And it's a very, it's a very real place to be. And it's, and it's not, negative energy it's almost numbness you almost feel numb to the to the world around you and what's happening and and you're like what what can i even believe anymore it's like it's like if somebody what's the best way it's like if you have this such a strong belief that it's impossible to build like a, a cathedral that's beautiful or something and then you look at it it's it's the feeling that you you get when you see something that's just almost impossible to believe it shatters your mind in such a sense that you're like well what is real now it's like if you never believed in aliens if you think aliens don't exist Mm -hmm. and then one shows up at your door you're like what you're you're in this thing of shock and awe and then after the alien leaves you'd be sitting there like well like what's what's next right 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 what, what have i been telling myself now and now what what other, and this is where it starts to, you can elevate this and this is where everything goes positive. You start asking yourself, what else have I been telling myself that isn't real? Mm-hmm. And that's where it kind of becomes this like, quote unquote, dark night of the soul, where you're kind of just in this space of just, you know, you you almost don't trust yourself, like, but you you know there's something real and there's something more. And it's such a beautiful place to be because although it is kind of a, it's kind of a scary, terrifying, yet perplexing spot to be. Right. You can start to build yourself up from there to recultivate and reimagine the world as you want. Well, that's it, right? Like you, if you, if everything is pulled apart and shattered in front of your eyes, like I, I remember years ago, a friend of mine, uh, he did a, he did salvia, smoked salvia and I uh-huh. supervised to keep him from falling down the cliff into the river, which was probably yeah. not the best place to do it. But he said, <laughs> he, he said, he said, you and you were a tree. I became a tree and the whole world pulled apart like movie sets. And he was yeah. just, I mean, he, for 10 minutes, he was just psh, gonzo. Right. Right. But I get, that just made me think of that because once that happens, then you exactly what you say is right. You can then choose how to rebuild. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, this is, a powerful thing with meditation and, and also plant medicine, which would be like, um, you know, using psilocybin or, Mm. you know, there's ways to use cannabis. And, and this is probably a super important point to point out because I know you were saying you, you got off of it, Mm -hmm. but what happens is, is it's your environment as is with your daily life, but the environment you take drugs, whether it's like hallucinogenics in particular, um, you know, ecstasy, you know, cannabis ayahuasca whatever Mm. if you're taking it like for recreational use like you know do whatever you got to do but those things are so powerful that they're going to give you what you what you need you know those those will expose you to aspects of yourself that you need and 
you know, it, it depends on quantity and environment and who you're taking them with and the quality of them. Mm. But if you do them in a therapeutic setting with somebody who is who knows how to handle someone in that state, you can have those profound impacts. You can get to that place where you're just like, is this a movie? Like, what's going on here? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> was this was this thing that I just, you know, um, experienced real? Like, right. what what is real? Like, I. I, I I had a blindfold on whenever I took these mushrooms and I had this whole oh, wow. experience. Oh yeah. You, you lay down. Uh, yeah. I lay down. They put a blindfold on, you know, you take them. She kind of does this little like spiritual thing. Yeah. It's crazy, man. How much, how much, like, sorry to jump in. Just a dosage. Yeah. How much, how much are we talking here? So I've done three. I didn't ask the two, the second two times that the first time I took was like 4.2 grams. Okay. So that's, that's a hearty dose. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good amount to get you get you going. But, you know, the way my mind's even kind of now come around with the whole, you know, mushrooms and psilocybin is, mm-hmm. is I've there's been times and I've heard people there's times where they take like 0.2 and they blast off. But then there's times where they take like five grams and it's like not much. Mm, interesting. So I think there's two word things that play here. I think number one is, you know, the quality of, you know, the item. But I believe more so number two is that there's so much intelligence in these in these fungus and these plants yes. that they're giving you what you need. It doesn't matter wow. the amount that you took. It's it's what you needed to figure out what you needed to figure out in this, you know, moment. Now that's interesting because mushrooms are pretty ancient and pretty alive, aren't they? Like they're aren't they is it true that they're more animal than they are plant or is that bullshit? Have you ever heard that? Um, I know that we're extremely related. We're very closely related to fungus. Like fungus mm. is a, um, you know, it's i I'm not really sure how that whole uh, genealogy works out, but I know sure. that like at the root of it is fungus, like fungus, like spreads out into all these crazy things like these animals. And, and, and so I, I I'm pretty sure that there is a history there, but I don't want to make any concrete uh, things. I, I know that I've heard that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't want to say definitively the wrong words. I know that there's definitely a high correlation between ant- humans and fungus. I'll say that much. Sure. Um, outside of that, I'm not a uh, fungal expert. That's, there's a, I'll leave it at this. Sure. There's a fantastic documentary. I believe it's on Netflix at this point called okay. Fan- Fantastic Fungi. Okay. And that will break, <laughs> that broke my mind. That will break the average person's mind as to what is going on with nature and what is going on with the existence of everything. Well, that's what we could all use just because we're getting sucked down this rabbit hole of one thing, but maybe, maybe the mushrooms, I mean, again, I've heard Joe Rogan often says, or jokingly that if we could do a worldwide psychedelic trip, everything, you know, well, God, (laughs) I don't know what would happen, but you could imagine it would change things quite a bit, but I mean, are we, are we not on a worldwide psychedelic trip as is? I don't know. Are we <laughs> just living? I you mean, just living? Yeah. I, I mean, be. you can argue that this is a trip in itself, you know, this is a trip. just having this human experience. So have you thought about what the human soul is then that's having this 3d experience in a 60? 60... Yeah, that's a, whew. so based on, I don't have a strong opinion on this yet. I'm still working it out, mm-hmm. but of people I've talked to and, you know, whenever you talk to people, you kind of just got to feel what resonates with you. Like if I say something and you're like, oh shit, that feels right. You know, then, then there's probably some truth to it for you. 
but what it seems like to me is that we are these a soul of some sort that is you know chose to reincarnate on earth at a particular point in time um and at all points of the imagination is that you get to we got to choose the exact moment the exact time and the exact location of where we got to incarnate uh sounds like what people believe i'm not 100 percent sold on it yet some of that sounds feels right but mm. i don't know if i'm personally there sure um so at some level where this external extra dimensional soul that's just inhabiting a human body for you know x years mm -hmm. it sounds like that we kind of uh you know come up with these soul contracts in a sense where you know it's like okay we're going to earth so that we can learn this lesson this lesson and that lesson right and once we learn those lessons then we'll be done with earth and we can move on to our next um our next uh stage of whatever right so where that kind of gets bizarre is i'm i'm still trying to figure out well but if we're all the universe this this oneness of the universe then that my soul is just a fraction or a fracture of the universe experiencing itself right and so i'm kind of in that that's kind of where my uh understanding of of the let's say I don't even want to call it the afterlife because it's not really, I guess it's after the human life, right? It's not even really the afterlife because a really fascinating thing that I've always thought of and held true is we try to view death as being the opposite of life. True. When in reality, birth is the opposite of death. You know, yes. life isn't, life is still happening even if we die and it's still going to happen. And I, I just, and so then I think the question becomes is, well, is this something I'm just telling myself so that I'm comfortable with the act of dying? Or is it that there is this other things going on mm -hmm. after I die where if I fill out my soul contract, right. then my soul now gets this beacon of completing the earth experience and I get my check mark of being the, you know, I no longer need to come back to earth and I can now go on to experience other, other <laughs> alien life, which is something that I haven't talked about yet on my podcast. But <laughs> maybe this is maybe this is where I'm supposed to first talk about it. Aliens, aliens, <laughs> <laughs> aliens. I mean, I, I'm into what you're saying. I think it begs the question: Who is writing? Like, is there a, is there a grand sort of supreme consciousness that's running this? simulation and writing these contracts or is it just the flow of energy that's happening uh, independent of a language yeah i mean who knows right like it's i guess it's hard to tell for sure um i think there's a interesting thing that i'm not very well qualified to talk about but it's called sacred geometry i'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, it not really no it's uh so it's hard to explain and it's a little bit more difficult to explain without like having a piece of pen and paper. Okay. But, you know, essentially um, you've seen these symbols. I know you've seen the symbols before. It's something like the tree of life or the, fl or the flower of life and the seed of life. Okay. And they're basically just these circles mm. and, and every single like religious text from China to Egypt to the Mayan civilization, they all have this same flower of life or seed of life, whatever you want to call it. And okay. uh, you can find a great um, 
YouTube video called uh, The Story of Creation uh, Told Through Sacred Geometry. And this is something that the Egyptians really deeply believed in was, you know, the soul or God or consciousness, singular consciousness started off in this infinite point, right? Mm -hmm. Let me take a quick step back before, before, (laughs) before there was all of this, right? Before we had everything, Mm -hmm. there was nothing, right? Right. That's the core concept of just less than there being black. There was less than black. There was nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And so what you had was consciousness coming into existence and it's represented by a finite point. Well, this finite point, then the first thing it needed to do was to have awareness. And this is something that actually even Genesis in our Bible talks about, but it it constructs it in a little bit different manner is that you then um, need to have awareness and which is represented by a a circle, um, the first circle of the, of the whole thing. And so that was the initial awareness. And then the next thing that needed to occur was movement had to occur. You know, there's no, Hmm. nothing exists except for my circular awareness. And then I need to move. And so the idea is that that then awareness moved to the edge of the circle and established another 360 degree awareness within itself. Mm. And it said in the Bible on the second day, there will be light. And what you find in between this intersection, it's like a Venn diagram. Think about a Venn diagram. And in the middle of that Venn diagram is the, what a representation is of light. You know, our eyes are actually in that same shape as the center of a Venn diagram. Uh, this is where you get the thing. I think it's called the Vesica Pisces. Okay. It's like that fish shape, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then awareness kind of moved around the edge of its initial awareness to the next intersection of its secondary awareness and its initial awareness. Mm-hmm. And see, this is where it starts to get difficult to explain without um, looking at it. But if you're looking at uh, sacred geometry or, or a seed of life, you'll, you'll kind of see what I'm describing here and you'll, then see the third circle, which then don't remember the name. And this is where we're going to start hitting my understanding, but this is where like a new realm of creation kind of occurred. And so there's this transforming out where this awareness Mm. kind of just kept becoming aware of itself and the awareness that it already had. And you, and it's crazy too, because, you know, you can then overlay this awareness, these seeds of life, this flower of life. It's found everywhere. It's Mm. found it's found in our human biology. Whenever your cells split apart, you'll see it. Um, in every single atom or molecule, they represent this geometric figure right. that exemplifies this at this subatomic, this initial starting point of life. And, and it's something that we've integrated into the beginning of the Bible. It's something that the Egyptians have fully believed in. And then on top of that, every civilization that has accrued to massive you know, stardom has this in their artwork. Mm-hmm. You look at old Chinese, they have these same circles intersecting and, you know, it's, it's so we don't forget. It's so that we re- are able to always remember this stuff into, you know, our conscious, you know, yeah. realm of existence today. And so I, again, I highly suggest that anyone deeply interested in it. And it's a very fascinating stuff is um, great YouTube video. that's called the, uh, the sacred, the, the story of creation told through sacred geometry. Highly recommend anyone listening goes watch that. You'll you have to watch it a couple times, and hmm. you might need to your mind might break a little bit, but hey, that's growth for you. <laughs> uh, very necessary. Mm-hmm. Well, I I'm going to wrap it up, Clayton. I think this was tremendous, man. I I love you sharing all that stuff. 
I mean, we could go for another two hours and maybe we will in <laughs> six months or something. But um, again, just your podcast, Traveling to Consciousness is available everywhere. Is that right? Yeah, it's available all over the place. And yeah, if anyone finds this conversation interesting, I have these with people from all backgrounds that, uh, you know, uh, share similar things. Mm-hmm. And um, we call our we call our, our, our audience the uh, conscious monkeys. So <laughs> okay, come join, come be a conscious monkey and let's uh, let's keep growing together. Beautiful. And I would say it's very laid back conversation, but it's very with intent and it's, it's some very intelligent people who, who share their whatever this is belief or truth or whatever i think people listen to this would enjoy yours as well so definitely check it out appreciate it man thanks for having me man i this is a great conversation love connecting with you yeah it was, we'll it was beautiful this again and i appreciate yeah. you reaching out i'm sorry in some sense that we had to cut her off but hey well this was the first yeah. of many i say divine timing right it all happens for a reason right let's go with that clayton thanks brother <laughs> and good luck on your podcasting journey thanks man you the same Thank you for listening to the North Bank Media Podcast. Please subscribe on your platform of choice and give us a five-star review. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at North Bank Media Podcast for highlights from past conversations and to be notified of upcoming episodes.